I do not have a does your dog do dot, dot, dot this week. But what I do have is an absolutely amazing guest, Rob Kugler, a dog named Beautiful, the true story of the Labrador who taught a Marine to love life again. Rob is a medically retired U.S. Marine Staff Sergeant. He's a storyteller, photographer, and writer. When he's not on the road, he lives in Nebraska and the Pacific Northwest in the U.S., Rob, I am so thrilled to have you on Dog. Yeah, it's awesome. that's awesome. It's uh, it's great to be here. Just to follow up on the the book story a little bit. It's been three years uh, since it, it came out, so it's I'm pretty much you know I, I am full time in the Pacific Northwest now. Oh, nice. I asked the guest the same first question every time, which is, when did your love of dogs begin? I had cats growing up. I, I wrote about that in the book, and that was one of the things that I lost in the editing battle. And I still love cats. And I never understood why people didn't like cats. There's a lot of people that are like, they're either dog people or cat people. And I'm kind of more animal people. I don't have cats along with dogs. For one, um, the dogs I have now uh, wouldn't allow that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, neither would mine. Right? It wouldn't be good for the cats. Uh, And then two, I do have a little bit of an allergy to them, which I didn't really know as much. Like there's part of my sickness as a kid kind of went away when I left home and wasn't living in a house with five cats. <laughs> uh, but I always, so I always wanted a dog and it was kind of that, that same thing as like, well, dogs do take more responsibility, you know, like cats, cats are really autonomous creatures. You can leave and your cat can be at home for days with water and a litter box and food and they don't need a fence, etc. I'm thinking about times that I used to walk to school you know, a, a dog had puppies and I watched them grow and I'd stop by and, and pet them every day. And, you know, the, the old man that lived at the house was like, you know, when you ask your mom, you know, you can have one if you want, you know? And I was like, mama, <laughs> she's like, this, this isn't happening. <laughs> yeah. Neither would mine. My mom was, was dating a guy that had a, a golden retriever. It was his sons, his adult sons. And I was taking care of that golden retriever for, I don't know, like three months and was kind of adopting him. And then, and then one day he was gone and the guy was like, Oh yeah, well my son took him back and I didn't get to say goodbye. (laughs) And that was, you know, kind of like my first little like heartbreak of having a, having a dog and and then not Bella was my first dog and my, and my first real, real true love in, in the animal world. And I, and I say this, and, and some sometimes, I don't know if I say it the best way, but sometimes I think animals can help you so much with humanity in terms of dropping judgment. If you can have a relationship with an animal and then realize that everything that they are made of is the same thing that you are made of, because you don't see that until you have that with a certain animal, and then you like the soul animals. If you can see that in an animal, how can you not see that in, in, in human beings that that wherever we come from, it's it's the same place. And then so that that's that's kind of like what really drew me to uh, animals through through Bella. I mean, I was in the same camp as you, except I didn't have cats. My mom miraculously let us have a hamster named Rascal. <laughs> and all I wanted was a dog. All I wanted was a dog. And I didn't get my first dogs till I was 33. So I've had four dogs altogether. And Blue, everyone knows my pity Blue. He's like my soulmate dog. And it's interesting, right? It's like, I don't, I loved Bailey and Bobo and I love Benji, but sometimes you make a connection. Now, now Bella was your first. 
So it's, I can see that being like, oh, that's because it's your first. But I, I'm wondering if other people out there are thinking, well, yeah, I've had several, but then this one, there was something about this dog, right? right? So that's just a question to put out there. As, as soon as, as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Lisa's, Lisa's, this is Lisa's thing. She's, this is good. You're good. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. You're, you're a person, you're a personality. That. I can, this is, this is good stuff. You belong. Yeah. You belong. <laughs> I'm a lot. <laughs> I'm a force. Yeah, well, that's me, me too. <laughs> but I want to jump right into your book because it's incredible. So your book starts with you at the vet with Bella. And you know it's never good news when they're like, can can you come back here and come into this room and can we talk and somber looks and give us give us an idea of what was going on. Bella had uh, a limp in her front left leg. I had taken her to the vets. We had just recently found out that when Bella's like going on, I guess she's going on eight years old at the time that she loved to go down slides. And so we would go up the park, you know, go to the park and then, uh, and sometimes she would go down herself. Other times she would bark at me and say, you know, like want to ride on my lap. And one of the times, uh, I was showing it to my mom where we had met up little town in Nebraska. Bella went to run up the slide and slipped, you know, versus going up the stairs, which she usually did. And then it wasn't too long after they, you know, like a couple of days after that, that she started limping a little bit. So that's what I thought it was. I thought she had injured herself. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to learn if going into a veterinarian or even, even a doctor's office for myself is to explain the problem and try not to give them too much of the, my guess of what happened because then, because the, the doctor treated it as an injury for months. I was following everything that they were saying, you know, which is like, hey, this is, you know, this is an injury. So let's do just minimize play. And here's some, maybe some Rimadil. So I was keeping her from playing as much as I could for months. Um, and that's not easy to do with a very happy spry Labrador, you know? Right. I, I take her in again. And then it's like, I get the same, these things take time. I called and left a message a few weeks later saying, hey, I'm still not seeing any improvement. Uh, and then there was kind of like a short answer, you know, like these, these orthopedic injuries take time. Well, I'm done with that vet because this is taking too long and we're not doing anything. So let's find a vet that maybe has like physical therapy or something because so that we can do something because this isn't, this just isn't working. She's not healing. We find a, a new vet and we talked to the physical therapist and we had done x-rays at the very beginning of that meeting. And then we we're talking to him. And then so then as I'm talking to him, the, that's when the the vet comes back out. And then she says, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to need to talk to you in the in the back room about those x-rays. And I was like, oh. right away I knew. I was like, this is bad. I don't, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what it's going to be, but nothing, nothing good is ever talked about in the back room. She's like, yeah, so... As you can see here, this is, this is, uh, and as you can see these like spider webby clouds off of the top of her humerus. And she's like, so this is all osteosarcoma. And unfortunately, this is the worst news I can give you because this is already metastasized into her lungs. And by the time it's there, you're looking at three to six months, probably three. And she goes, she's not limping because of injury. She's limping because of pain. This is a very painful thing. You're going to need to make the decision that you should probably amputate this leg or you should just think about putting her down pretty soon. 
her attitude had not changed at all from when she was two, you know, besides <laughs> being a little less, a little less wild uh, of a, you know, yeah but you know you could see it in her eyes that there was so much life left you could see it just in in her spirit you could feel her spirit and I was like well putting her down is not an option so I went home to make the you know to work on making the decision and one of them one of the things that really helped was I found a a, a group called uh, tripods t-r-i-p-a-w-d-s Oh, I like that. And and then it was just an entire community of people with dogs with three legs. And a huge amount of them were, was from osteosarcoma. It was just proof of quality of life. That's what you're thinking about, right? Like, what is the quality of life? Mm-hmm. And because you don't want to do something to your dog. There's there are certain things, certain decisions that you have to make that, that uh, may really change the quality of life in, in a bad way. Uh, so then it may not be worth it. And then this, this was just proven to not be one. So we, we made the decision. Then that surge, when the surgery happened, I was still feeling bad on my way. Like when I dropped her off and cause she was just like, she loved the vet, you know? And, and, yeah. and so then she's like all happy when I take it, like, Oh, Hey everybody. And you know, and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, we're about to chop your leg off. When I, when I picked her up, the vet told me like, now she's going to need help because she's still drugged, et cetera. But then I heard her in the back. I heard the vet in the back. Oh my gosh, she just got right up. And then, <laughs> then Bella comes and she comes hopping on her one leg. You know, I think the, the one thing I wasn't I, I wasn't thinking about was how big the scar was going to be. So then she shaved like her. So it was from the middle of her chest, but you know, it comes all the way up because they've got to take the shoulder blade too. So it comes all the way back to the center of the back. So it's you know, it's it's a pretty you know, a Frankenstein looking <laughs> sight. And it's like, oh. uh, but she, she came right into me and then she leaned into me in this way that wasn't like, what did you, there was no, Oh my God, why am I here? What am I doing? You know, like, God, oh, this was so scary. It really seemed like, Oh, thank you for taking that pain away. When I read that, I thought, Oh my gosh, that is so incredibly beautiful. You know, I, I love the story, Rob, about when you got home that night and she went out to pee and then she just plopped right on the ground and then you went in and got a sleeping bag. And I think one of the things that I took away from the book is that living in the moment, finding your purpose, being mindful, being aware. And I, I just thought it was so beautiful because you appreciated all these little things Yeah, with Bella. Yeah. From uh, human loss in my own life previously. If I hadn't had lost two siblings before I was 30, let's see, because I lost, I lost my brother at 25, uh, and then I lost my sister at 32, and they were both killed immediately. My mm-hmm. brother in Iraq uh, by an explosive device, and then my sister in a car crash. And there was no goodbye. There was no warning. Being told that my time with Bella had a very short time limit. There was like a gift, you know, recently been, been divorced and, and had, had left a a career and was starting a new and was just finishing school. I was in a place to where, what are you doing next? And then I'm like, well, I guess this is it. Because when, when again in my life, will I have no other responsibilities 
I'm so sorry, Rob, about your brother and your sister, and of course about Bella. I am really glad, though, that you were able to take that trip with her. There's a conversation I've heard many times about people talking about the differences between having someone you love who's dying and there's a process and you know, versus somebody dying quickly in an accident. And you've just talked about both of those scenarios. Talk to us about how you feel. There's definitely some gifts of knowing that someone is going because the the time that you get and the, the, the mental space that you're in because you just know and there is something beautiful about knowing, hey, you've got to pay attention. There isn't maybe some other time. It is a right now. Towards the end, it's like harder when you know that it's happening uh, versus someone that's, you know, a, a death that just happens because when a death that just happens, you don't have to watch it. So having to be there um, and seeing the end uh, and then seeing if there's a potential struggle or with an animal, having to make the decision, am I going to help you at the end? And there's so many people, myself included, like, hey, please go in your sleep for me so I don't have to make that decision. And then uh, with Bella, you know, I was told that, hey, she, you're not going to want to see how she's going to go. It, it won't be comfortable for her. And we suggest that you should help her go. So we did that. Some people uh, have uh, that didn't know the story, if they've just kind of heard a little bit about Bella and and I and might have their own preconceptions. Someone said like, oh, well, he drug his dog along, you know, while she was dying and or kept her alive for his own selfish reasons. That wasn't the case with us. Because chemo, you can do all these, you know, all these things. And we didn't do those things. And we just went out and we're, we're living because uh, we knew that it was terminal. And you cannot beat death. And at the end, at the very end, we, I did try to treat this tumor that came in her mouth because it was just eating away. Like it was, it was rapid ugly and violent and I was we tried to so we did take some time at the end to try to stop that because she she had so much more life in her everywhere else that I was like well let's stop this because it was just going to eat through her jaw and if we stop that real quick then we can continue she didn't last too much long after we did treat that and that was that was hard I just so grateful to the people that contributed to the GoFundMe because we were able to just go with the the best treatments available. We were at Colorado State University, Fort Collins, Colorado. And I, I fell in love with the, the veterinary staff there. And it felt like such a family. My friend was like, let me start a GoFundMe. Let me start a GoFundMe. I was like, no, no, no. And then, and then uh, she just convinced me to, because she's like, Rob, people want to be a part of this. Yeah, just definitely. Allow them. Do this for them. And so I said, yeah, no, I think a GoFundMe is awesome. Yeah, and, it, and then so. Really do. I let her do it, and then we, you know, did things to where we sent people personal photos of, of Bella Prince. You know, um, that was like kind of the tier. Once it got to a certain point, I stopped it, and then started sharing other people's. And we were able to, because I, I met a woman that uh, was in nursing school, and her she was treating her boxer who had lymphoma, and she was thinking about dropping mm -hmm. out of nursing school to be able to pay for her dog's treatment. And then immediately, I was like, that's when I knew. I was like, well, no, here, hold on. And in a day, 
we filled her GoFundMe and was able to pay for her dog's treatment. See, that's incredible. I love that. It was, and so like, I was like, this is what a purpose this is to be able to, to talk to a veterinarian and say, well, what is the best path and make that. So then I wanted to be able to present that to, for other people. And then that's where uh, it was so great to, to be able to help raise money for other people so that they could do the same because our veterinary costs are just out of this world in this country. And there's, there's people that, you know, there's a lot of animals that don't get the treatment because of that. Yeah. Rob, you really did the best by Bella. You were there for her. You took everything into account that was going on with her and you gave her such a wonderful and yourself such an incredible experience. You know, I love, Rob, how multi-layered the book is. You have these beautiful, amazing experiences with Bella and you take her all these incredible places. And then you talk about your childhood and, and you write this. My own story started long before Bella came into my life. It started with a broken home, a home without any dog, even though I longed for one. I know now that when I was a child, a teen, and even a young man, when I experienced loss and heartache, I was actually longing for this land of acceptance, this land of love and belonging. So Rob, your parents already came to their relationship with children from previous marriages, and then they had you. What was that like? And how did that affect your self-esteem? It had a lot of different facets to it. One, it was kind of awesome to have so many siblings to start off with. My mom's kids were about the same age as my dad's kids. 12 years older than me, seven years older than me, and five years older than me. When my parents split, which is almost three, then it was kind of, it was easy to never feel like I belonged fully anywhere because even though I had these, you know, brothers and sisters that accepted me and no one had the same situation that I did, you know, like I had a different dad and my, my dad's kids had a different mom. I would go to my dad's in the summer. My dad's kids would go back to their mom. Even though I felt like I didn't have that sense of belonging, and that's something that's still a part of me, uh, always, even at 40 years old, uh, I still look look for that. Do you think that played into your love of dogs, is to have something that was yours and was special? Yes, I didn't realize it until um, Bella was older, and I had gotten divorced, and it was just me and her, especially after she was diagnosed. You know, uh, was knew she was terminal. Yeah, I was. I had realized that I I had never had such a full connection. That was it was us. That was ours fully. Does your family include a dog or a cat? Would you like to be better educated on how to advocate for their health naturally? Then why not check out all of the amazing resources on naturallyhealthypets.com. Dr. Judy Morgan is a trusted advisor and a regular guest here on the Dog-Eared Podcast. She has over 38 years experience as an integrative veterinarian, acupuncturist, chiropractor, food therapist, author, speaker, podcast host, and owner of Dr. Judy Morgan's Naturally Healthy Pets. Dr. Judy's goal is to change the lives of pets by educating and empowering pet parents just like you in the use of natural healing therapies and minimizing the use of chemicals, vaccinations, and poor quality processed food. Head on over to naturallyhealthypets.com where you'll discover healthy product recommendations, comprehensive courses, 
the Naturally Healthy Pets podcast, informative blogs, upcoming events, and so much more. Again, that's naturallyhealthypets.com, the place to learn how to give your pet the vibrant life that they deserve. You really delve into some of your negative self-talk and feeling like a failure. And you write in the book, quote, friends insist I have developed three personalities over the, the years. There's a fun, likable me, a leader who was sure of what he wanted in life. But then there was a pissed off guy, even uncontrollable. The, this guy wants to punch you in the face for looking at him <laughs> wrong. Then there's a guy who's super depressed, mopey and lethargic. Yeah. yeah. So I actually, for, for whatever reason, the, the, the editor really didn't like the fact that I had named those. Uh, but my friends had named them. It was Rob, Roy, and Ron. So Rob, Rob is me. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob is me, and then Roy is fucking Roy. You know what I mean? Don't mess with Roy, man. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah. And my buddy took me out to a bar in Chicago, and they play bags like cornhole competitively. Mm-hmm. And someone was tossing bags, and then I'm standing there with my buddies, and the, a guy from across the room tries. He he just wings it like a baseball wings a bag he's he's trying to throw it at my buddy but he misses and it hits me in the face and then i have been nothing but jokey happy rob and then this thing hits me in the face and then boom ron looks back you know and just like i mean i i'm like who the threw that it's on and then when i saw that and then as soon as the dude was like oh i was going for it and then it just went right back and then but my buddy was like oh man i was like he's like ron ron just came to the party didn't he <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, how was it that Bella just brought out you, right, Rob, without the other stuff? What were some of the lessons you learned, right, during your travels that helped you with this? I mean, just Bella herself, for one. She was just so intuitive, yeah. you know? If I'd ever gotten upset, you know, if, if I was driving and then something, you know, like a road ragey moment or, or something, again, she, she never judged anything that came out of me. She would come to me. And then nuzzle me and say, hey, I'm here. Be here with me. Everything's everything's okay. And then just her contact, her touch, her wet nose, her nudging of my hand to pet her was a, a therapy that can't be bought, can't be taught, can't be prescribed other than get a lab. She was just special at that. I think it was her intuition to know if anything was off with me that she would come and you know, throw me a life preserver and, and say, hey, here I am. Anchor yourself, ground yourself with me. That's that's why people have emotional support dogs. She was not officially that, but she was 100% that for me. Now, I know that being in the military was very important to you. What was that experience like? The, the military gave me that sense of belonging, I feel like, that I was looking for, you know. Right. Uh, and even though I had good friends growing up, there was there was a sense of of pride you know i'm not i'm not sure where i would have ended up if i didn't join the military feel like there was also just like this sense of service this sense of uh a larger purpose and really feeling like you belonged to something that was uh, making a difference in the world i think that that's that's what's harder about when when people get out it's not always what some people think of vets like what's their hardest burden is only like combat vets with PTSD. And like, that's maybe a, a stereotype of the veteran that's struggling. But a lot of times, like even one of my, one of my best friends uh, locally here, um, Kevin Pinnell, he lost both of his legs and uh, oh. to uh, a grenade attack. 
he, he's a stud. He walks around on prosthetics. He it's, it's crazy. The difference of how you're treated in a wheelchair, he, he will tell you straight up. He goes, oh man, I miss my brothers way more than I miss my legs. Oh, wow. That's powerful. And, and cause it's the, it's that, that family that you build. Like my, my best friends are the buddies that I met on my way to boot camp 23 years ago here in a couple months. We've all been to the hospitals, you know, for each other's babies. Because that was also really so great about my journey with Bella is that uh, along our trip and then like through social media and Facebook, people could see us and then and then invite us in. And it was most always the military community. Tell us about some of the places that you went and some of the people you came across, particularly the woman dressed in nearly all black. Yeah, that was a very interesting black. story. So we got to go to some really amazing places uh across the country and some some of them that were kind of a surprise were uh the dakotas actually there's some really great parks in the in south and north dakota um like uh custer custer state park in south dakota beautiful area and i think it's sylvan lake i think is the particular lake there i'm not for sure if that one's there or if that one's in colorado but up on north there's uh the theodore roosevelt state park I've seen wild horses that live on like thousands of pasture land in Nebraska, oh, which wow. is, uh, you know, uh, an amazing thing to see, but, uh, to see the wild horses that were running and like to come across them and like where you've got to stop because they are running across the road and you have to see that wow. and Bella with her head out the window as we're just driving through and seeing, you know, bison and groundhogs and coyotes like getting ready to hunt the groundhogs right there um those those experiences were were amazing and my, and my nephew was able to join me there uh which was which was huge um for me it was he had just graduated high school and that was kind of like my my graduation gift to him was to take him on a trip then um and i'm so, and then he got to be a part of the trip with bella which was uh you know amazing there as well uh, but when, when we were going east, we went north in the winter, which seems, you know, contradictory. But what was beautiful about it is that when you go to places in the winter that people usually leave them, it it opens up for a lot of solitude. We got to go to a lot of places and, and hike a lot of trails that no one was on, not a single person. And it kind of helped the entire mood of Bella and I's, you know, final months, which was us being together. It was Bald Mountain in upstate New York. There's a, a fire tower there that Bella and I hiked to. And it was the first time that I had seen terrain where roots are growing like surface level and they're growing over rocks. And it was just like the, the, the beauty of seeing big trees with their roots, you know, like, Oh yeah. You know, like we get to see their roots because then it just becomes more of like, you see the organism, you see the life. And then Bella watching Bella make the decisions, like the, the cerebral factor of, of her knowing that she is just not running wildly as, you know, four legged dog scrambling around. Like she's like, she's got to look at this stuff and make the decision of how she's going to make it. And then like just watching that, observing her, 
we were afforded a lot of off-leash time. Again, no one was around. It was easy to do that because it was not like she was running up to somebody or running up to someone else's dog. But also, it kind of helped that she was only on three legs because, <laughs> you know, she wasn't as fast. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It was it was on our way to New Hampshire, and that was one of the things we got to meet up with a lot of veterans along the way through the communities that I had been a part of. Veterans kind of have a special akin with dogs, it's, and and I think a lot of it has to do with our buddy systems. You know, like we, someone's always got to have your six. You know, you always go out in pairs. You, you know, so so being alone, being alone, it, it you know makes you you know, a little vulnerable. You should always have someone with you. Dogs, dogs can be that, you know, and especially, especially right. a dog that you have that with. There's a particular town and I apologize. I can't picture the town. Uh, I mean, I, oh, that's I okay. can't pull the name. Oh, of the that's town. Okay. Uh, but it's in the, it's in the north, you know, it, we're, we're in the Northeast. And so the, the sky is gray. There's, you know, kind of like low hanging fog. I, I'm driving and I see I see this woman walking and she's got, you know, like a, a, a black trench coat, I think a, a purple stocking cap, wind windburn cheeks. And I just noticed her walking along a road to where if sometimes you've seen someone walking on a particular stretch of road and then you think about where the last two places are, you're like, Man, how long has this person been walking? Right. And that just kinda stuck, stuck in my you know what I mean? Like that just kinda stuck in the brain a little bit. But it didn't look like she needed a ride. It looked like she was on her own path. And then as I'm driving through the, the nearby town that comes up in half a mile or so, I just see out of the corner of my eye this, this beautiful red door. And it's a, it belongs to a church. And so then I, I pull off and, and I, and I take, a, take pictures of this church. Just the way that it was weathered, um, there was just something about it to me that I thought of like, uh, a vampire wedding would be, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. if, if it filmed here, you know, you know, I'm decently friendly. Um, and I would say, I would say, I mean, I'm very friendly, decently approachable when you have a dog and you have a good relationship with your dog and your dog is friendly and people see that people, I mean, people have overtly said, you can tell a lot about a person by the way they treat their dog. Bella, not only did we have our relationship with each other, and that was amazing, but she also was a, a, a segue, a bridge to, to people along the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so then, so we say our goodbyes. Then I'm, you know, continuing northeast, you know, because my plan is I'm covering all fifty states here. So my plan is to get up to Maine, cut coming out of the town, and then I see another building. I'm like, wow, what is what is this? So I go to take a picture, or, you know, pull over there. But then what I see is this train station, and uh, I see a placard there that it's one of the oldest operating train stations in America. Oh, wow. And then for anybody that's like, well, what about Bella at the time? Bella's either out with me while I'm, you know, like while we're looking at things, or she has the back, the entire back of my forerunner with the seats laid down. It's like her chariot. Like she had a mobile doghouse, and she loved nothing other than be in the car, <laughs> to have her head out the window. If she wasn't out with me, She'd be snuggled up, content in the car. That also helped with staying in the cold, because um, it's way easier to be in the cold with your with your dog. Oh yeah, because you stayed in your car, which was named Ruthie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I still have. I still have Ruthie, and it's, and it's tough cool. because there's times where it's like I <laughs> we bought a new vehicle, and I should sell Ruthie just just because like that's what you should do. 
You know what I mean? Right. But I, I can't, I can't, right. I can't let her go. Yeah. I mean, you know, Bella's, there's still Bella's hairs on the roof, you know? So you see this woman again in Yeah, black? she actually, it, so her voice comes from behind, you know, it's like, so you uh, like our train station? Turn back and, and then it's the woman that I saw walking. And she took me on this walk and the path that existed was a path that she had created from years of these walks. Many times where I found myself in a place where I'm like, wow, I can't believe whatever has happened in my life has led me to this point. And then just here I am walking, you know, with this woman, maybe, maybe fifties. We're just walking past these boats in this boat yard that we got into from a hole in the fence. And we're walking on this path and she's obviously friendly enough to where she's not a hermit in the terms of, you know, antisocial, but she tells me that she just lives by herself in, in what sounds like, you know, it's going to continue on this path. I don't know if it, you know, what the state of it is, but I was just so fired just by the fact that because she had left society and found happiness and whatever it is that she does and just living in solitude. And so Bella and I had that so much. And that's what I felt like kind of we had done was kind of left society in a way, even the fact of just the nine to five, da, da, da. if you're going to do anything, maybe you're going to have one week vacation a year. That's, that is the standard. If you're doing anything else, then you're an outsider. Mm-hmm. As I was taking pictures of things there uh, and taking pictures of the boats and, and taking pictures of, of her interacting with Bella, you know, she reminded me, she's like, okay, now we can put the camera down. Now let's yep. be here. What a better teacher than, than her, you know, someone that's like, remember, leave all the busyness. And then, and when you, when you shut a lot of things off, then you can see so much more. And, and that is one of the things that what that trip was about was we saw so much and, and just with eyes wide open and with the ability to go down that road, to, to walk down that path, to uh, follow uh, that landmark, that monument, to go see what it is. That's something that I'm still trying to maintain in my own life. Uh, and it's, and as things have gotten busier and busier, it is so much more rare to be able to turn off that road and, you know, to take the time to go see something. And uh, so I'm trying to, trying to yeah. hold on to those lessons and trying to find ways in my life to, to be able to do that because I want to show that to my children. I think what's so what what's so incredible is that you did get to have that experience yeah. with, with Bella and so many people don't. Right. right. And I think you can still incorporate those things in your life with your kids and the three dogs you have now, but it's going to look right. different. Right. And it's about, I think, balancing expectations and taking the lessons that you learned and applying them. Maybe if, you, if it is only a week off, like what can you right. during that week or even better yet, what are little things you can do every day? I mean, after this, I'm going up to a beautiful place where the ocean is to take my dog. And then I'm going to pick up my daughter from school. And then, you know, it's, it's 55 flipping degrees, which is yeah. insane. Last week it was negative <laughs> oh, one right. with a right. negative 25 wind chill. I mean, whatever new England is insane, right. but I digress. Yeah. I think it's about taking the things that you learned, which one of them, uh, and I thought this was great. You write quote through all of your travels and experience, you realize something very profound about yourself. I'm at my best when serving others. Yeah. And that you can take yeah, and whatever the next, you know, career is or job is you have that in you because you had all these amazing experiences with Bella. Right. Well, and, and, and that reminds me of what I need to take my own advice that I offer others. When, when people ask me or, or tell right. me like, I wish I could do this with my dog. I've read your book. 
Right. I wish I could do that. I wish I could have done that with my dog. I wish I could, could do that. You don't need the grand trip to make it happen. You can do these things in your own backyard, right. like literally your own backyard. You know, you can do these things in your living room. You can do these things in your backyard into the larger sense of just what's reachable uh, in an afternoon drive. Do what you can to find what's accessible to you and then still have those moments, had the opportunity to do the big trip. So I, I took it, but you don't need the big trip to have those experiences and to have those moments, which is hilarious because listen to yourself, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's hard because who doesn't want to do it again? I, I want to do it. I mean, I'm already thinking about when I can do it with Lou. I think it would be absolutely amazing. You know, one of the things too that I was so moved by is you talked about, uh, you write that you're becoming unofficial therapist for thousands of people desperate to talk about their dying dogs. And it's really hard to talk about our dogs and their dying. I, I cry regularly just thinking about my dogs leaving and my husband's like, hon, they're right here. And he's like, Mr. Mindful. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. But I get overwhelmed. So I think so many of us do. There was a something I saw on TikTok. There was this, you see the dog's expression and they're in the car and, and their owner's in the or their parent is in the front seat and they're, they're crying. And the dog's like, like about, you know, when, when you're not here anymore and the dog's like, well, turn around, I'm right here. Like, well, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? It's just so poignant. Yeah. And I think the more we can find joy. So I am trying to do that less. Cause it's like, well, that's kind of silly. He's right here. Yeah. Don't start mourning the loss of what's of, of what you have. And that, that, and then that is, that is hard, especially when, when you've, it, when you've already experienced the loss and you know what that pain is. I have. Yes. Rob, this has been such an amazing conversation. I just have the last question I have for you is what do you hope people take away from the book? Yeah, of course. That's a, that's a great one. Thanks for asking. You know, for me, I, I think that uh, a big lesson is that, is that there's life after loss. There's a lot that layers in on with grief and everybody grieves in their own way. But I think for me that what I've learned the, the most about it is that it's something that can be taken as a, as a perspective changer, as something to uh, view the world more gracefully, uh, more gratefully as well, with more gratitude, just knowing how limited our, our time is. Given the best tribute to those that we've lost by finding as much joy in the time that we have left. And I think that that's probably the, the biggest message that I would like people to take from there. Because I'm guessing anyone that's reading the book already understands anything that I would say about, you know, dogs being made from the same stardust that we are, finding that most people already come to the to the book with that energy. Is that a rooster, by the way? It is. That I heard three times. I like it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm hallucinating. I'm like, why do I keep hearing rooster? No, I like leaving okay. it in. Any animals are welcome here on Dog Eared. That's Paco. That's our neighbor's rooster. We get eggs to get bought off from his incessant crowing. <laughs> <laughs> People have got to get this book. Again, Rob Kugler, A Dog Named Beautiful, The True Story of the Labrador Who Taught a Marine to Love Life Again. And what was the other title, Rob? That one's in the UK uh, that you just read. In the US, it was printed, uh, A Marine, A Dog, and a Long Road Trip Home. They're both really good. All right. Tell us all the places we can find you and your photography and your book and anything else that you'd like to share. Just at Rob Kugler is my Instagram. R-O-B-K-U-G-L-E-R. 
And if you go back far enough, you can find all of uh, Bella's journey. But right now, you're going to see the happy ending. And I think we've kind of saved that for the book, right? So, I'll, but but again, you'll you'll see. Yes, you'll see that there. If you go, you'll get a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Then I have a a photography Instagram page, which is RK Life Illustrated, which is also my website, rklifeillustrated.com which needs a lot of work. So, you know, maybe just maybe just stick to the Instagram one if you if you just want to see <laughs> photos. Also, if you want to to buy the book, Barnes & Noble usually has it, um, but I'm a big proponent of local bookstores. So see if your own lo- local bookstore has it or if they would order it for you. And then if you'd like signed copies, my local bookstore here in Hood River, uh, Wacoma Books. And I think, Lisa, are you going to put a link for that? Yeah, that'll be in the show notes. Okay. I have a stamp, a custom-made stamp of Bella's paw print that I also stamp oh. books with. So you get Bella's paw print with the books. That's so sweet. And then, I, and I also like that too because they're a locally owned, literal mom and pops bookstore. Fought to keep it open here in town, and, and it's just been a part of people's lives here for a long time. And so it's just, it's just awesome, and to have formed a relationship with them. I sign them, and they ship them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Rob, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you. And I absolutely love the book. I highly encourage everybody again, A Dog Named Beautiful, the true story of the Labrador who taught a Marine to love life again. Be sure to follow Rob, check out his link, get his book, support that local bookstore. Also keep coming back to Dog-Eared. I just, I'm having so much fun with this show. I've met so many incredible people and I get to hear about so many incredible dogs. Also check out Health Power. They're both on the same platform and rate, review, and subscribe. Also follow me at Lisa Davis MPH on social media. Thanks so much. 